Raise your hand if the Word of God is uh, important to you. You know, it's, it's one of those things to me, our life in Christ is pretty shallow without it. You hearing me, church? Our life gets pretty shallow without it. And so something that we need to practice when we read the Word of God, every time you read it, you should apply it, okay? Because there, there's, there are things that the Lord wants to speak to you, and he's speaking in how we need to adjust our life to what he's telling us. And you know, as we're going through the series of Abraham, I think it's important because what you see is a man who is starting from nothing in a relationship with God. Who has been there? You started from nothing. You had to discover who God was for yourself, right? And so what we're seeing is a man whose relationship with God is developing, and he has learned what it means to walk with God. And to learn what it means to walk with God means that there are going to be days where you feel great progress, and there are days where you feel like you've taken a few steps back. And the subject that we're heading into this week, what we notice is something significant about the human condition and how God responds to us in our weaknesses. Who's thankful for a God that still works in spite of all our weaknesses, amen? Let's go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 15. We're going to read almost the entire chapter, 15, 1 through 19. It's a lot of scripture, but uh, you guys know if I can leave out things for context's sake, I do, but I couldn't. So let's go ahead and read, start at Genesis 15, 1. It says, sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you, and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good... Check this out. I want you to think about it. He's saying this to the living God, right? O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you have given me no children, Eliezer... Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Then the Lord told him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land as your possession. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, how can I be sure that I will actually possess it? The Lord told him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And Abram presented all these to him and killed them. Then he cut each animal down the middle and laid the halves side by side. He did not, however, cut the birds in half. Some vultures swooped down to eat the carcasses, 
but Abram chased them away. As the sun was going down, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a terrifying darkness came down over him. Then the Lord said to Abram, you can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years, but I will punish the nation that enslaves them, and in the end, they will come away with great wealth. As for you, you will die in peace and be buried at a ripe old age. After four generations, your descendants will return here to this land, for the sins of the Amorites do not yet warrant their destruction." After the sun went down and darkness fell, Abram saw a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch pass between the halves of the carcasses. So the Lord made a covenant with Abram that day and said, I have given this land to your descendants all the way from the border of Egypt to the great Euphrates River. Let's pray. Father God, I just want to thank you for your word and I thank you for your promises. And Lord, today there is a, a lot that we could unpack but God, I, I pray that we can focus specifically on, Lord, the work that you have done for us. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. How many know most of our relationships are based out of conditions? Even our marital relationships have conditions placed on them. And I think about Abram and what he said to God in Genesis 15, 2 through 3. Abram basically asked God, what will you give me? What will you give me? Now, if you remember Abram's relationship with God thus far, initially God promised Abram descendants in Genesis chapter 12, but he never gave Abram the how. He never told him when. How? But Abram, here he is, he's hearing God's promise yet again, and he is clearly wondering, what is God going to do for me? How is this going to be accomplished? And an interesting thing we can learn here is not just the question that Abram gives God, but how God responds. Think about it this way. You are speaking to the Lord of the universe, the one who gives breath, the one who can take it away. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. And his word is final. And you have this man who is basically, he is cut down to nothing compared to God, right? And God's making these promises. And Abram, I can almost picture almost defiantly, how? How is this going to happen? You keep promising me all these things, and how? And God is not offended by the ask. That dumbfounds me because I'm telling you, if I was God, and I keep promising my kids something, but they keep questioning how my promises are going to happen, those kids are going to get the right hand of fellowship. You know what I'm saying? And... And here, it's because the, what, the way we look at our lives and our relationships, conditions are a part of how we are made up. For instance, think about it this way. You might be willing to volunteer your services for a company for one day, right? 
Imagine even a, a company says, I want you to give me a week of your time. If you could just donate a week of your time. And if it's for a good cause, you might say yes. But imagine they say, okay, you've given me a week. Now what I want you to do is I want you to give me 40 hours a week for the next year. Volunteer your time. That's a tougher ask, isn't it? And now what if they say, I don't want you just giving me 40 hours a week for a year. I want you to give me till you hit retirement age. All of a sudden you're thinking, okay, wait. There is only so much of myself I can give for free. There's something that I need in return. You are thinking, the long game, what do I get out of this? What do I get out of this? And here's the interesting thing. As, as, as we're talking about the human condition, I don't think those feelings are flawed. I don't see a flaw in that. That is the way we're all designed. That's the way we are created. Just as you are not going to commit to a one-sided marital relationship. Amen? Amen? Just as a friendship doesn't develop by someone who shows no interest in you. God naturally desires that you and I ask things of him. Do you know Jesus instructs us to ask? He does. If you read that in Matthew chapter 7, you will see he instructs us to ask. If you read that in Luke chapter 12, he instructs us to ask. And something that I have found that in our prayer life, we are to make requests known to God. Amen? And in, in some research, I saw something that I found absolutely amazing. In your prayer life, you can categorize seven different kinds of requests to God. There are seven basic different kinds of requests. The first one that I see is physical needs. Those are natural requests we ask of God for, for things like food and finances, uh, health, all those things. Second, wisdom. We ask God for wisdom all the time. We want to make good decisions. We want our decisions to be founded on what God wants us to do. Lord, give me wisdom. A third request we make to God is understanding. Understanding God and all of his ways and his truth and what does it mean. Questions like, God, what are you doing? Questions like, why are you doing it? How can I understand your love? A fourth thing, we ask for encouragement. There are times where we feel low and we need that support. We need that care, especially during trials. Praying for protection over enemies. That's part of that. Number five, healing and health. Number six, truth. You know, I need to pray that I don't give in to falsehoods because let me tell you, my heart, my heart can be... be can stray from what truth is. So I need to pray for insight. And then the last request, 
fruitfulness in our lives. Who wants to be fruitful? And I think that's a part of what Abram is asking here. He is looking and he has no offspring. He's all, he and his wife are already old and he knows what this means for them. God, I want fruitfulness in my life. I want that in our relationship. And church, we want to see God working through us and doing great things through us, right? So that should be a natural request. Abram has needs. He has requests, and God chooses to give himself. Because here's the thing I know about God. God can fulfill all our needs. Amen? So if God can fulfill all our needs, and we just mentioned seven requests we can make known to God, I want to read you something interesting. In the Gospel of John, Jesus makes seven I am statements. Listen to this, and if you took notes, and maybe we could go back to that last screen of the, of the uh, seven requests, maybe you could take a, a screenshot of that, or not screenshot, take a picture with your phone or something, and you can see how this lines up, because what is going to happen, and I'm going to give you three more seconds if you want to take a picture, Jesus makes these seven I am statements in the Gospel of John. Listen to this first one. I said three seconds. I mean, <laughs> first one, and we can go back to it here in a minute because I, I want you to see both these. We pray for bread. Jesus says, I am the bread in John 6, 35. We pray for light and wisdom. Jesus says, I am the light in John 8, 12. We pray for understanding. Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am, in John 8, 58. We pray for care and compassion and protection. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, in John 10, 11. We pray for health, healing, and life. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life in John eleven twenty five. 25. We pray for truth and how God wants us to live. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, John 14, 6. You want to pray for effectiveness and fruitfulness. Jesus says, I am the true vine, John 15, 1. Can you give Jesus Christ a hand clap of praise for how he fulfills those things in your life? So you can take a picture of this screen right now if you want. And then, yep, three seconds. One, two, three. And Andy can go back to that last one. One, two, three. All right. Here's what I know for us believers. If you abide in Jesus, he will produce much fruit. On your own, you're not going to. But with Christ, you will. So, so if we are in him, we know that he is in us. Amen? And so we naturally, we want these things from God. But God just wants us to want him. That's all he's looking for. Because there will be times when we go without things that we need. Amen? There will be those times, or we might be uncertain about our direction, confused on what is true, and what happens is our focus is often so earthly, but if we choose to just be in Christ, we have contentment, we have peace, we have joy. 
So at some point, you are going to have to choose to believe in his word. You know, there's a phrase that has popped up twice today. I counted. That was remember. That's actually a significant part of this message today. Remember. Because something that Abram was doing in our story is he is remembering a promise God had made. And we see that Abram in verse 3, he raises his concern over if he would have an heir. And we're going to dig a little bit deeper here. And the, the thing that I hate in, in this message today, I could preach just on Genesis chapter 15 for about four weeks. We're just doing one week. And here he's raising concerns on whether or not he's going to have this heir because think about it at that time. If he died without an heir, the code of the day was that automatically his master servant, the top servant, would get everything. And we know that God had previously promised Abram descendants, and so God takes it a step further in verse 4, saying the descendants will come from your own body. Listen to this. Uh, Genesis 15, 5. It says, Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up to the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And so what God does is God continues to remind Abram of his promise. And I believe it is good to be reminded of promises, amen? It is good. God, here's the thing, he doesn't forget his promises, but we often do. But something I've learned about God, he loves it when you hang on to his promises. Abram was 75 years old when a relationship started with the Lord. i got to tell you something. If I haven't had kids by 75, I'm not interested. <laughs> but this guy is like, yeah, you promised me this. You promised me that I'm going to have kids. And he's hanging on to that promise. And let me tell you, God's not offended by the ask. In fact, God is glorified when you trust and know that, that you are hanging on to what he has told you. <clears throat> but something I believe for us in our human condition, as I spoke to earlier, you should set up reminders for yourself about promises God has made. Who needs reminded of things from time to time? I do. You know what? There have been times in my life where I said, I need to write a note to myself. One of those notes that, that, that is basically behind a window that says, break glass in case of emergency, right? And one of the things I've always thought, a letter I need to write to myself, it goes something like this. Once dog dies... That's, that's, the, that's, the, that's what's on the envelope. And so I break the glass. The dog is dead. I break the glass. I open the letter. And it says, you think you like dogs. And you think you need another dog. You don't. You don't. You don't want one 
It will not make you happier. You will like other people's dogs. You do not like your own. And I will read this note and say, I remember those emotions at that time, right? In the Old Testament, people set up altars as reminders to future generations of what God has done. And let me tell you, if you study the children of Israel, they needed reminded all the time of the things God has done because they forgot easy. Here, God led them out of Egypt in a pillar of fire and led them around the wilderness, pillar of smoke, and yet they're walking around saying, you know what, I think I'd rather go back to Egypt. They forgot what God had done because they were so focused on that particular moment and those emotions. But now imagine the ultimate reminder. Abram walks outside of his tent every night and looks up in the sky and sees the stars and he remembers God's promise every time. Imagine that. Imagine the fulfillment that had to give him. God also illustrated through grains of sand. Scientists estimate there are 2,000 billion, billion grains of sand on the earth. They further estimate that there are 25 times that amount of stars in the sky. Right? And something interesting, through Abraham, Galatians 3.29 teaches us that he didn't have just physical descendants by blood, but spiritual descendants by faith who are all believers. So understand, you are here today as a descendant of Abraham, as a fulfillment of the promise of God that every time Abram looked up to the sky and he saw those stars, you were represented in that number. But at some point, he had to believe what God said. You know, in the very next verse, we just covered uh, Genesis 15.5 in the very next verse. It says, Abram believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. I think this is not just one of the most important verses in this chapter. It's not just one of the most important verses in Genesis. I believe it's one of the most important verses in all the Old Testament. Because I want you to think about this. And Romans 4 makes this all very clear. That this is the point in which Abram was saved. It was at that point when he believed that he was saved. There were many steps. Check this out. There were many steps that Abram did up to this point in Genesis 12 through 14. He took a step by leaving Ur. He heard the voice of God. He left Haran and went to Canaan. He worshiped God by building altars. He went to Egypt and, and lied about his wife. He stepped out in faith to rescue Lot. He tied the Melchizedek and they, they, they had a celebration. He worshiped God in victory. But is clear in verse 6, this is the moment in which he believed God. I believe everything you're saying. I don't have to question or doubt anymore. 
Church, I want you to check this out. Just because you go to church, just because you read your Bible, just because you sing and worship, you might even get down on your knees in an emotional moment. Just because you tithe, maybe you even volunteer in church, maybe you teach a Sunday school class, just because you do those things does not make you fully a believer. A person is saved by grace alone through faith in Jesus Christ. The question you should ask yourself today, do I believe? Not just do I believe that he exists. Do I believe he sent his son? Do I believe his promises are true? Do I believe that his son was sent for me? That he died for me? That he rose again for me? And that I have a promise and hope in eternity? Do I believe those things? That is what it comes down to. Because I, I can even tell you that even though Abraham wasn't present on earth for the coming of Christ, do you know he believed in Christ too? Abraham believed in Christ too. Check this out. John 8, 56. Listen to what Jesus says here. Your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw it and was glad. God, since the beginning, is establishing relationship with Abram, revealed Jesus Christ. And he chose to believe and trust God with his life and his future. And church, when you choose to believe what Jesus says is true, that God sent his son to die for you, you will be found righteous. Do we have anyone who was born in the church? You were born and raised in the church. You're a church kid. Okay. I am that kid. I'm born and raised in the church, right? Mom and dad taught me the right way to go. And I was talking to someone this week. I said, you know, my parents would tell you that I, I gave my life to Christ around the age of four or five, somewhere right in there. But I said, I'm going to tell you, I didn't truly serve God. I didn't truly believe until I was 17. It was one of those things that I was raised in the household. I was told the right things, but I was, I was in the faith of my parents, and I was serving the God of my mother and father, and I was told the things that I needed to do, but there came a point in my life where that was no longer just their faith. That was my faith. That is what I believed. That's what I adhered to. It wasn't that, that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for my parents, my family, and me. It became, he, he did that for me. That was what I had to embrace. And church, that is the message I'm trying to drive home today. Because when I was young, no matter what I could recite, no matter the effort of work I could put in, it was never enough. It took my belief. And church, I want to tell you, if you believe in what God has accomplished through Jesus, 
then your reward is sealed. It is then that your reward is sealed. And the last thing, and I, th- this is the most important part of the message, so the last thing I want to talk about is God's promises, they're unconditional. They're unconditional. You know, we have all these conditions on our relationships. God doesn't. And the third time, this is the third time God has made this promise to Abram. Let's read it in Genesis 15, 7 through 8. It says, Then the Lord told him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land as your possession. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, how can I be sure that I will actually possess it? Let me tell you what Abram's saying. God, you keep making these promises. Where's the proof? And you might wonder if, if this demonstrates Abram's belief or if it demonstrates his disbelief. And notice it didn't say that he didn't trust God. He wanted answers. He wanted answers from God. And here's something interesting we learn. In Amos 3.7, I want you to hear what it says. It says, Indeed, the sovereign Lord never does anything until he reveals his plans to his servants, the prophets. God is not offended when you ask questions like why and how. He's not. God loves to give you the answers you seek. And when you inquire of God, what it's going to do is going to lead to a deeper understanding. And it's going to cause you to trust him more. And so what God does is he responds to Abram by preparing him to make a covenant. And that's, this is the whole reason why I said this is the crux of the message right here. Genesis 15, 9. It says, the Lord told him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. I want to tell you about that time in history. At that time, if you wanted to make a binding oath with someone, a treaty or a pact, what you would do is, at that time, you would gather these specific animals. You would cut them in two, and you would walk through the divided animals together to seal this pact. And by doing this act, what you were doing was you were declaring that if I go back on my word, may I become like these animals. Split in two. So a covenant that was made in this manner was deadly serious. This is God's modern day way of saying, check this out. Get your lawyer Get a permanent pen, grab two witnesses, meet me down at the courthouse. We're going to the notary. To think about this, to, to do a binding document today, you get witnesses, you get lawyers, you sign the documents, you seal it. And God seals everything with blood, okay? That's how God does something. So what God does is he recognizes the conditions of man and his unconditional love. And so God puts Abram to a deep sleep because he would be unable to live up to the requirements of the covenant. Could not do it. 
But God makes this covenant because he wants the sealed recognition of what he has already promised and done. I want you to think about this in regards to your life. You know God has done everything for you to just accept his unconditional promise. That's all he's waiting on. Notice there is nothing God has done for you halfway. There is nothing that has left to be buttoned up. He has done it all. You have done nothing to earn this favor. Praise God. You've done nothing to earn it. John 8.36 says, So if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. Church, that is the unmerited favor of God. Thank God for that. Church, you do not have to give yourself to God in order for that promise to be sealed. You don't have to follow some 10-step program in order to make it work. He has already given himself fully and completely to you through his son, Jesus Christ. So for everyone who's rejected you, everyone who's hurt you, or you wish that you could still hold relationships with, but there were conditions attached. Remember, we often, we don't have the capacity to do something unconditionally, except for maybe when it comes to our children. But when God makes his covenant promise with us, there is only one name signed on the dotted line. His. All you have to do is simply believe. That's it. That's all that's left. And there are people in this room, as, as, as I encourage you to close your eyes and just reflect right now. Maybe you're sitting here hurt because of broken promises. Maybe because of those conditions in the relationships around you. Or maybe you've held back in giving your full commitment to Jesus Christ. You haven't understood what it means to just simply believe. I am telling you, you might have worked and worked and worked to earn the favor of God. And He is letting you know right now, there is nothing you can do. It's already been done for you. Just accept me for who I am. Accept me for what I've done. And I am telling you, if the Holy Spirit is working on your heart this morning, today is the day for you to fully step out in trust and believe that the God who promised Abram the stars is the same God who has promised you eternal life in His Son, Jesus Christ. And I want you to know He has already made the way. All you have to do is freely accept it. And so what I want you to do right now is I'm going to ask our, our prayer altar team to come forward. And as I said, I already alluded to, there are many people in this room that have been hurt by relationships or, or you have not fully stepped out in faith and believing in God. There's been hindrances in your path. You haven't been able to let go. You haven't been able to just fully trust. 
And do you want released from that today? You want to just accept God's unmerited favor for what it is. First off, I want to ask everyone in the room to stand because we're going to worship here in a minute. But if you need to accept God's unmerited favor for exactly what it is, maybe you've been trying to earn it, maybe there have been those barriers, and you just want to embrace God today. I ask that you step out right now as an act of saying, I choose to trust. And I want you to find someone to pray with you that can encourage you, support you, and point you to the God who's done everything for you. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for the room. And if this is you, we're going to sing in a moment, but I want you to step out as soon as I'm done praying. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each and every person that is in this room who has heard this message today. And God, we know that it rings true that, Lord, you love us unconditionally because, Lord, as long as we are living and breathing on this earth, there is that grace that remains that we can obtain if we just choose to say, I embrace what you have accomplished through your Son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, there are those in this room that are hurting by the past. Maybe they're, they're, they're hurting from something that took place in the church. God, maybe they're hurting from a relationship with parents or family, God, or maybe, maybe a... Uh, a romantic relationship that hurt them deeply, God. It skewed their, their view of what it means for you to love us, Father. Lord, whatever barrier it is today, God, I believe you want to break those barriers down through your Son, Jesus Christ. And all we have to do is just choose to believe. So God, I pray for those who are hurting. I pray for those who your Spirit is calling out to step out and trust you. That God, they will have the strength to understand, Lord, I've been doing it on my own. I just need to give it all up and just embrace what you've already done. God, I pray that we embrace you in your unconditional love. And that we understand that this is unmerited from your throne.